Hello and welcome to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church, and today I am joined for a very special episode by the one and only Pastor Chad Williams. Hey, Tyler. How's it going, man? It's going well. Looking forward to uh, digging into this new series we're doing. Yeah, so today is going to be the start of a new type of episode, a new conversation we're going to start having here on the show, and that is a deeper dive, digging a little deeper into mm. our weekly sermons. Yep. So we at Hybe Church uh, put a lot of emphasis on the preaching of the Word. Um, we talk a lot about expository preaching, and so we... We talk about the Bible a lot, which is a good thing. Yeah, I hope so. Oh, yeah. I hope that's so. a good thing. <laughs> um, and and so what we we realize as guys who preach at a church is that when you try to have a message each week around 30 to 40 minutes, there's a lot that you don't say. There's a lot that you can't fit in, a lot of study yeah. and prep that goes in. Sure, absolutely. Um, plus, there's also, I think, just a lot more you can – uh, discuss, talk about, think through on the application side of things, uh, maybe more specifically. And so each week what we want to do on this segment is take a bit of a deeper dive into our sermons. And especially right now, we're in the middle or just began a few weeks ago, a series through the book of Hebrews. And uh, Hebrews is a pretty deep and rich Oh yeah. Book. yeah. It's the deep end of the pool. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's no doubt about it. For sure. So uh, thank you for joining us on this particular episode. We're going to be uh, digging deeper into the first few chapters of Hebrews. We've already started the series, so we're going to catch you up a little bit. Um, this past Sunday, we just talked about the beginning of Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, but let's back up and talk a little bit about the book of Hebrews in general, uh, kind of an overview of who wrote it, who was it written to. Pastor Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book of Hebrews? Yeah, the book of Hebrews is written by, uh, we don't know. <laughs> Big question mark. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, for the last 2,000 years, the church has wrestled with uh, who may have written the book of Hebrews. Um, and uh, we actually we actually looked at a few kind of common guesses, and that's really all we can do is kind of educated guesses when it comes to who wrote the book. Um, the, the most popular... Um, Possibility is the Apostle Paul. Yeah. It's a very common uh, guess, and for good reason. Uh, the theology of Hebrews is just absolutely in lockstep with Pauline theology. So, And also, w- Paul knew a lot about Jewish tradition. Right? Oh, no question. He calls himself the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Right. Right. Yeah. But we don't know if he's the Hebrew of, of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. The, he- the book of Hebrews. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but the theology is very similar to what you would find if you're reading the book of Romans, for example. Uh, there's X or, or Ephesians. Um, it has a lot of the high Christology of the book of Colossians, another book that the yeah. Apostle Paul penned, right? So the book itself uh, definitely has a lot of uh, uh, Paul theology in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple reasons why we tend to believe it wasn't Paul. There's, there's arguments for, there's arguments against. The arguments against... Um, Paul always identified himself in his letters. Yeah, and then the other issue at play there is the the, the grammar and language uh, doesn't match up with Paul. It's actually a very uh, advanced, refined Greek that we see in the Book of Hebrews. Um, that that's a little more advanced than what we typically see in 
uh, Paul's letters. So uh, mm-hmm. there's other guesses as well, and we went through some of these in the sermon. Uh, so I'm not going to belabor a lot of this, yeah. but some of the common guesses are uh, Apollos. Um, that's possible, um, but again, we, we we don't have really any point of reference when it comes to Apollos. Like we don't have a, a letter that we're you know studying to see how he wrote. So it's really hard to verify that. Yeah. Uh, another popular name, or more popular lately in, within scholarship, is Luke. Yeah. Good uh, old Doctor Luke. Old Dr. Luke. Yeah, Luke uh, is an interesting choice, and part of that choice is behind the advanced Greek. Yeah, yeah. The the actual like writing in the book of Hebrews is similar to the Gospel of Luke. It's, it's, it's very advanced. It's a well-educated person yeah. who's writing this. Um, and, and, of course, uh, Luke's theology is, is also in lockstep with it as well. Uh, the, the issue is um, Luke was a Gentile. Luke was not a Jew. Yeah. More than likely, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews uh, is a Hebrew. Uh, was, it was, a, was, a, was a Jew who had converted to Christianity. And so my personal favorite uh, guess is actually Barnabas. Okay. Barnabas. Yeah. Why, why do you think Barnabas? Uh, a couple reasons. One, uh, Barnabas was a Levite. So he was a Jew. He had an in-depth knowledge of Judaism. He had an in-depth knowledge of the Levitical system that you, you know, if you open up the Torah, if you look at the book of Hebrews, for example, um, there's a lot of symmetry to the book of Leviticus. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of references to the book of Leviticus. Uh, Barnabas knew that, that system very yeah. well. He also knew Paul and his theology. Right. He was right. familiar with his theology as well. So um, that's my favorite guess. Uh, we'll never know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of God knows. I right. tell people, I, I think I said this in the sermon. Uh, the most important thing about the author of Hebrews you need to know is that it was written by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. So um, we don't have any idea who wrote the book from a human perspective, but we do know that it's the inspired and errant word of God. And so that's that's the the platform from which we build. But it is a fascinating discussion, at least. Sure. Yeah. To to to, to kind of you're sitting at the coffee shop and yeah, you know, you're trying to trying to figure out the. Deeper theological things, you know. Yeah, mull over who wrote Hebrews. Yeah, but let us know what you find. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what what conclusion you come to? But I think that's that's a great thing to point out is that it it is it goes along with not just the New Testament narrative. It ties in a lot to the Old Testament narrative, so it's in complete agreement with all of Scripture. Um, so there's not really much argument there about should it be in the canon. Like it's. It is an advancement of gospel truth, and and like you said, the primary author, the one that we should affirm, is that it was written by the Holy Spirit. No doubt. Maybe through some human hand, whose we don't know, but yep. yeah, written by the Holy Spirit. Now, who, obviously we talked about a lot of knowledge and, and information about the Hebraic systems and, and thought from the Old Testament. So who is the audience of this book? Why does it lean into some of those Old Testament themes so much? Yeah, well, one one thing it has in common with other epistles is that the title of the book is the audience of the book. Yeah. The book is written to Jewish uh, Christians who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. Um, more than likely, it's a small house church or, or maybe a collection of small house churches. Yeah. And based on what we know and, and even diving into some of the persecution that apparently this church had experienced – um, in recent years when the book was written, more than likely this book um, was written to Christians 
near Rome or at least some type of metropolis in the ancient world. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, relatively speaking, it is a, a younger uh, and earlier epistle. We're talking mid-50s, more than likely, of the first century. So um, the book is written to a group of people who are wrestling with kind of two things. One, mm-hmm. they're, they're wrestling with this uh, leaving behind of their, of their aspects of their Judaism pertaining to the law and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so that, that's why the law is such a big feature in this particular book. But then also, it's a church that's not only wrestling with their past, but with their present. They're, yeah. they're, they, they have persecution they've recently endured. They're about to endure more um, as we get into uh, what's uh, eventually going to be Nero's persecution of the church uh, in the 60s. And so this church is is coming up on even more persecution that's going to get really, really intense. And the pastor of this home church or these uh, collection of home churches is preparing them for what is to come, preparing them for uh, more more and more cultural opposition, preparing them for persecution, preparing them for what lays ahead. So um, the, the audience is a, a kind of a beaten up home church living near a big city who's gone through some really tough times and is about to go through even tougher times. And they're wrestling with their past mm-hmm. and what they've left behind to follow Jesus and uh, a big part of that being their Judaism and yeah, uh, yeah. and and their their participation in the sacrificial system. Yeah. So what what the author does is kind of pull in those themes that they're familiar with, that they're comfortable with, that they have just been converted uh, from, and within those things paints a really big picture of Jesus. Right. Kind of shows no doubt. that Christ is greater yep. than all those other things that they're afraid of losing or afraid of walking away from. Um, and so that's what we actually called this uh, series through the book of Hebrews, Jesus Speaks. Uh, so tell us a little bit about where where did that title come from? Why did we call the series Jesus Speaks? Because Jesus doesn't say a word. <laughs> He's not. There's no like red <laughs> letters in this like there is in the gospels like so why do we call this Jesus speaks yeah well, one of the one of the predominant themes in the book is that Jesus as the son of god has spoken uh and and this this theme of the gospel being god's definitive word to us um ironically the gospel god speaks the gospel through his son and so when Jesus speaks, God speaks, and around and around we go. So uh, you're right. When you say, like, the point of the book is to set Jesus where he belongs as yeah. the authoritative word to the church. Uh, and so um, the, the all of the spiritual challenges that are this particular church are facing can be addressed by listening to Jesus and hearing Jesus. Yeah. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, God isn't silent. He hasn't left us in the dark. Jesus is speaking to us, and uh, and God has spoken through His Son Jesus, and so that theme just kind of penetrates everything. It penetrates the uh, what's what's referred to as the high Christology of the book. Mm-hmm. This book paints a massively high view of Jesus. Yeah, and for those listening that have never heard that word yeah. before, Christology yep. just means the study of Jesus, the knowledge about Jesus. Yep. Um, it is the theological study of Jesus as He is disclosed to us in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 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 understanding who Jesus is based on what the scripture says. Right. And the study of that is Christology, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
So it's a church that um, has some issues, but the pastor is rightly identified. What they really need is Jesus, and they need to hear from him. Yeah. And so he begins the book, the first couple of verses, by saying, which you made a funny observation about the beginning of this book, that it sounds a lot like a pr- the scroll at the beginning of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long ago in a galaxy far, it's far away. Epic. Yeah. It's epic. It's an epic start. It, verse no 1 doubt. of chapter 1 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And we made a pretty big deal about the fact that God speaks. That's like that's a big deal that that God has chosen to speak to any of us uh, to reveal himself in any way. But he says, okay, long ago he's uh, decided to speak through their fathers, through the prophets. But in these days, or in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So talk to us a little bit about why, why is that such a big deal that God has, has chosen to speak and the, and the fact that we should look to his son as the source of God's truth. Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn about who God is when, when we think about this. Um, it's, it's no small thing to say God speaks. Um, th- there's actually quite a bit in that. Like there's, that's telling us a lot about who God is because yeah. he didn't have to. Right. Right, and that was a really big point in that particular sermon, which is God did not have to do that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a certain kindness in sharing a word to people who need it. Yeah, right. And we see the heart of God in a fallen people needing a word, and uh, but there's other things too, other kind of mm-hmm. theological themes that kind of run through the Bible when it comes to God speaks. God yeah. speaks, for example, and creation burst onto the scene. Yeah, God speaks, and creation is in ordered. Right, uh, and so um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Our, our very existence is rooted in the fact that God speaks. Yeah, right. So and then the Old Testament is littered with "Thus says the Lord." Over Thus and over says and over. the Lord. Right. Thus says the Lord. And, and, and to the, the author of Hebrews point, God was speaking in those days yeah. uh, in lots of different ways. That's an interesting yeah. phrase, by the way. Right. right. Uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, and to, spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Uh, the fathers just kind of en- encompassing all Old Testament yeah. uh, figures uh, that, are, that are playing in the, uh, in the story. Uh, and by the prophets, the prophetic word of God comes um, yeah. throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Moses, um, Adam, actually even was a type of prophet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot a lot of uh, content there. God speaks. He speaks because He's good. He speaks because He's kind, and He speaks ultimately because that is the chosen mechanism He's He is decreed to use yeah. uh, to yeah. bring about. Uh, to bring about new life and life itself. So, so then in uh, the second part of chapter one, uh, Pastor Terry preached um, the second message of the series and kind of talked to us a little bit about this uh, as he begins to unfold who Jesus is. The author of Hebrews uh, unfolds and he starts to talk about Jesus being greater than the angels, uh, which kind of sets up the way he's going to talk about Jesus a lot. He's greater than this part of your Old Testament. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priests. He's greater than the sacrifice. Like all this kind of unfolds as Jesus is better than X, Y, or Z. Um, right. Why did Why did he start off with angels? What, what's What's the big deal with Jesus being better than angels? Yeah, apparently um, the church in Hebrews was battling angel worship. Mm. 
which, you know, the church today, like we, I think we have uh, kind of a flawed or messed up or culturally informed view of angels. Yeah, little baby cherubs. Uh, little <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, every single person in the Old Testament who's encountering angels is terrified falling, beyond belief. Falling on their face. Just completely yeah. terrified. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, the, the, so so the angel worship was a, was a feature there. And then angels, of course, like... Uh, I think mean, a lot of people think that uh, when you die, you mm. become an angel. Yeah, you get your uh, wings. Kind of thing, right, you get your yeah. wings. Uh, was that it's a wonderful life? Yeah. That's, Teacher says yeah, every yeah, yeah. time a bell rings, that's right. An angel gets its wings. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, I think there's a lot of there's actually quite a bit of bad theology about angels. Yeah, that was out a terrible there. teacher. That was really bad <laughs> in that movie. I wasn't going to say yeah. anything, but yeah. Yeah. Th- so there's um, there, th- basically. The, the author of Hebrews is making this point that Jesus is preeminent over not only the physical world, but also the spiritual world. And what's the, the highest form of, apart from God of, you know, in the spiritual world, that would be angelic beings, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, so he's superior to that. And so really when, when the author of Hebrews is talking about Jesus is better than angel, Jesus is better than, and there's a lot of that actually yeah. in the early couple chapters there, mm-hmm. um, he's saying Jesus is Lord over what you see and what you can't. Yeah. And there's yeah. no spiritual being you conceive of that is greater than him. Right. And right. and that's the that's the thrust of that argument. And he makes it from the Old Testament. Yeah. Like angels are great. They're yeah. they're yeah. They yeah, exist. They're, they're, they're real. They, yeah. They serve a purpose. But they're no Jesus. But they're no Jesus. They're no savior. They actually um, preach. Yeah. Funny enough. Right, the angels are messengers. They're messengers. They're yeah. servants. I like the way that you know. And I, I, even growing up in the church, I never had a good theology of angels. <laughs> what, what would be the study of angels? Uh, angel, angelology. Is it angelology? It sounds. I think it is. We'll go. We'll coin that term. I'm pretty sure it is. I know angel, demonology is demonology. Is yeah. Study of demons. Um, but I, that was never really discussed in, in kind of understanding a real, a clear picture of what angels are, what they do. Um, but the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 14 of chapter one, that they are ministering spirits sent out to serve, uh, for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So they are interacting with our lives. Those who yep. belong to Jesus, those who belong to God's people, uh, which is great. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful that God has a uh, plan in store for angels, but they're not as impressive as Jesus or Jesus is way more yeah. uh, significant to our spiritual journey and our salvation and our worship than, than angels. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So let's bring it uh, down to this week. Um, we kind of recapped leading up to this week's sermon, uh, the beginning of Hebrews chapter two, uh, where we kind of, we talked about the idea of uh, spiritual drift, right? Uh, yep. We were, we're talking a little bit about what it means to uh, treasure the gospel. So kind of walk us through some of the, the main ideas. What, what were some of the main things we talked about this week? Yeah, the, the biggest thing to take away is that chapter 2 begins by directly seeking to apply yeah. what was just taught in chapter 1. So chapter 1, uh, interestingly enough, there's not one imperative, not one command yeah. in the entire chapter. The whole chapter is just like, buckle up, here's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. This is who Jesus is, and he's superior to angels, and and so on and so forth. And so um, so. The entire first chapter of Hebrews is is, and we mentioned that term earlier, Christology. It's a high Christology, so it is a it is presenting a very high view of who Jesus is, um, and it's one of the great 
Christological passages in the Bible, uh, particularly. It, it reminds me actually of Colossians one. Uh, I think I feel like there's a lot of similarities to yeah. Hebrews one and Colossians one. Yeah. There's also a lot of similarities to between Genesis one and and Hebrews one as well. So it's a it's a really fascinating passage in that regard. But chapter one says this is who Jesus is. Chapter two says this is why you should listen. Yeah, I just told you who Jesus was. Yeah, and if Jesus is who I just told you he is, then you must listen. Yeah. To what he deal. says, it's a big deal. So, yeah. so chapter one builds the case for who Jesus is. Chapter two tells us why it matters so much and what our response should be in light of who Jesus is. Cool. So, what is our response? <laughs> <laughs> well, if if Jesus is who he says he is, and he's better than angels, he's big, a big deal. What does he call us to do? What does he tell us in chapter yeah. two that we should do? Verse one. Therefore, so. That that word linking back to what we yeah. just read, and, and I, I shared that in the sermon. Yeah, just a really helpful little Bible tip. When you hear "therefore," ask what it's therefore. For. Right. Yeah. Um, so, therefore, in light of who Jesus is, we must pay cl- much closer attention to what we've heard. Mm. Um, it's to startle us into listening to what's being said. This yeah. is not just anyone mm-hmm. telling you how to live, what to. You know how to love your neighbor. Yeah, um, what obedience yeah. looks like. This is, this is Jesus. So the doctrine is: here's Jesus' identity, the Son of God, King of all things, Messianic, long promised King. Right. Yeah. Application: Listen up. Yeah. Like hear the Son. Right. He's not just this helpful life coach that's going to help you. You know, like no, this is. Um, I like the way he says that we must pay much closer attention. And I think that's such a good word for us today because there's we talked about this Sunday. There's so much vying for our attention, so many uh, loud voices right. out there in the world, um, and things that are good to pay attention to. Oh yeah, right? no question. Our work, about our families, sure. our sure um, things that we enjoy just in general. Like it's not a necessarily a sin to pay attention to the things that God's mm-hmm. put in our world because in one way we're supposed to interact with the world, mm-hmm. but. All of those things should be guided by the thing we're play, we're paying much closer attention to, which is right. the truth of Jesus, who He is, and what that means for us. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to to share this. I wound up, I think, editing it out. Uh, but uh, to 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 kind of drive home the point you just made, like it's not about ignoring everything else per se. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's about listening to Jesus. Um, if you're in a crowded restaurant with your wife, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you don't have to have everyone else stop talking to make sure she feels listened to. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, so, so you're just talking one-on-one. Uh, you're not saying, Hey, Hey everyone be quiet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Band quit playing. Be quiet. Yeah. Be quiet. Like I, I just need one voice. No, no, no. You can hear. Yeah. It's okay for the rest of life to be background noise mm-hmm. in that moment. Unless, it's okay for unless the rest you're of at the, the audience. Like a hibachi place. That's true. Then that's pretty distracting. You know, it's great. I <laughs> when, love it. When they do the little volcano. Yeah. This is, shh, shh, be that's quiet, wife. Best. It's time for the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I, and I, everybody side sitters at those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really weird. And, Every, you're usually, and, I, and I'm I'm not a side sitter, man. I, yeah. We've, we've got to be. Right. We got to be making eye contact. And unless you have a full party of eight, like you're sitting with like three <laughs> other families <laughs> right. and it's just kind of, yeah kind of awkward yeah, but, yeah it uh, is yeah that's it a sure great is. that's a great point though like it's okay to have background noise but yeah, you can is jesus the person you're yeah. having that 
Yeah. You know, you're list you're really intently listening to. Yes, there's other people talking in the room, that's fine. Yeah. But are you really listening to are you sitting down with Jesus? Is it really that intimate and that uh, intentional how you're listening? Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, that's um I think that's really huge uh to think about listening to or as you you talked about it Sunday, hearing the sun. Are we paying that much closer attention to what we've heard? And the alternative is lest we drift away. Right. So how does listening to Jesus or ignoring Jesus lead to drifting away? You gave us a kind of a visual Sunday, this chart of kind of a patterns to look for in our life that lead to either being more firmly anchored in Jesus or drifting away from Jesus. Let's talk through that sure. uh, chart a little bit. Yeah. So um, it, it works this way. A biblical view of Jesus um, promotes us listening to him, listening to him that the act of listening to Jesus actually anchors us in Jesus. It actually yeah. builds our faith. It grounds our faith. Right. Uh, a low view of Jesus, on the other hand, leads to ignoring Jesus. So yeah. when Jesus doesn't mean that much to you, uh, you're not going to be listening to him. And when you're not listening to him, you're drifting from his teachings. You're drifting from him personally. Right. And and they're therefore in a in a spiritual uh, predicament that's mm-hmm. uh, that's not good. So uh, it all starts with a biblical view of Jesus. If you really believe Jesus is who he says he is, then he deserves the place of preeminence in your life. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. deserves to be the one you're having that one on one conversation with constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that act builds relationship. And we, we already know that. Like, yeah. Like sharing yeah. those conversations and, and being intently listening to someone right. is is how you grow an affection for someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just is. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, ignoring him, um, it, it typically leads because you, you've, you've actually slipped in your view of who Jesus is. It's easier to ignore Jesus. You don't think much of yeah. or often of, and that leads to drifting spiritually. And that's the, that's the danger there. So, uh, it all starts with that, with Hebrews one, like mm-hmm. Hebrews two, it's tied directly to Hebrews one and, and they go hand in hand. So it starts with who Jesus is. That's the foundational layer of this. Yeah. Sure. I think that's a really helpful way to put it because I think all too often we end up experiencing drift without really knowing it's happening. Right. We, we kind of, we don't right. find out until we have drifted. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the same with our other relationships. We've already mentioned marriage, yeah. friendships, um, family, like you don't really realize that it's a different relationship until it's already different. And then when you look back, you're like, well, what did I, or what did they, what did we do wrong? Right. But right. usually it starts with, you weren't viewing them properly. You weren't investing. You weren't doing the things necessary to build relationship. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's huge for this, this particular picture because we don't really realize the low view of Jesus that we have yeah. until we've drifted from him. Yeah, there's a line, and I again, it was something else that was uh, that was I think I edited out, uh, but uh, there was a line I've used it before in a sermon, but I think it's C.S. Lewis. I'm not quite sure; it might be someone else. But anyway, the the line goes something like this: spiritual ruin happens, or a spiritual fall happens suddenly, um, or or I'm sorry, a spiritual fall happens slowly and then all at once. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how spiritual drifting works. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens slowly over a period of time, but then the bottom falls out. Yeah, and and it, both are true. It's something that that progresses, but Q, then kind of collapses. Q casting crowns, singing. It's a slow fade. <laughs> it's a slow fade. Yeah, that's a, that's a great impression. By Thank way. you. Thank um, you. 
Yeah, so that's um, that's really true, and I, I think that's on the heart of the writer of Hebrews when he's helping these new believers, especially in context of persecution, is yeah. when there's all that stuff going on around you, it's really easy to neglect fostering a high view of Jesus, reminding yourselves of those truths, uh, and then eventually you end up, you're like, well, how did I get so spiritually downcast? How, how did I get to this place? Uh, why am I not as uh, solid of a believer or as comfortable as a, uh, a believer as I think I should be? Why do I feel like things are off? Um, you could probably most likely trace that back to some point where um, you just weren't fostering that high view of Jesus, yeah. and building that in your life. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so what were some of the things that uh, really stuck out to you as you were studying for this, as you were preparing the sermon? Um, what were some of the big takeaways that you had personally as you were prepping to preach? And then um, let's talk a little more about the kind of where you landed on those soul anchors. But like, what was the big thing for you in this sermon that stuck out? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the, the thing that I, I knew it was a, a big feature in the passage, but it became to me the the kind of weighty center of the passage is this concept of if God judged those who heard angels preach the law, what do you think will happen to those who neglect so great a salvation? So the gospel of the yeah. son. Yeah. So if 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 mm-hmm. if God if if God judged the sin of not listening to angels, what do you think He's going to do with the sin of not listening to His Son? Yeah, the, there is a gravity in that mm. that is sobering, and there's 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 several passages in Hebrews that that have that effect on me when I read it. That's it's extremely sobering, um, and it's uh, it really grabs your attention. But I think it would be that. I think that the takeaway being um, that comparison between the message of angels who preach the law, interestingly enough, uh, according to Hebrews 7, in the Old Testament, they, they're messengers of the law. Yeah. Jesus is the messenger of basically himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and what, do we, what how do we expect to get out of judgment if we neglect? And I think the second thing would be that, that word neglect. Yeah. I found that yeah. interesting that, that the word neglect there, uh, translated in another place in Matthew, uh, 22, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 22 as paid no attention. Yeah. It's neglect something, just pay it no attention. Right. You know, any, there's the parable there of, uh, this, this guy's throwing the wedding feast and, Someone says, uh, eh, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, and they go to their farm or business or whatever it was and just say, I don't have time for that. That there was something more important, more pressing, yeah. more the, significant to them. Like better they had something to better to do. Yeah. That, that, that's the sin. It's just having yeah. something better to do than G. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty, yeah. pretty sobering stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, and so just the weightiness of that and the magnitude of that and the way it's presented, uh, right out of the gate in the book. Um, I mean, really, truly the author of Hebrews just kind of lays down the gauntlet. This is Jesus. Listen up. Yeah. How do you think it's going to go for you if you don't? Yeah. I mean, that's really, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of what's being, being communicated there. So I, th- I think it'd be that. Um, and again, that just the subtlety of neglect. 
Yeah. And, and that should really sober us uh, and, uh, and make us attentive to our spiritual health, kind of where we're at, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I was really struck. What about for you? I was, well, I was saying, in light of that, um, really struck by this uh, quote from Spurgeon that you included. He says, you see, dear friends, that we need not be great open sinners in order to perish. It is merely a matter of neglect. Like, yep. that's, that's huge. Um, I, I think we do often think, well, I'm a, I'm a good enough person. I go to church. I tithe. I, I do all these right. things. Um but often there is a very subtle neglect of the importance of listening to Jesus, how that shapes our lives, uh, how that guides us in all those other areas. Again, it's not about neglecting those things and just, we're not talking about becoming monks. <laughs> we're not trying right. to tell everyone they have to move to a monastery. Um, but that simple order or matter of neglect, um, I think is huge and we landed the sermon uh, talking about the idea that in light of that, in order to not drift, in order to not uh, be found guilty of neglecting such a great salvation, uh, we must treasure the gospel, uh, constantly remind ourselves. And you mentioned two soul anchors that uh, kind of help us to rehearse, review, uh, remember the significance of Jesus and the, and the gift that we have in him, this great salvation uh, the first of which, which is the witness of the Holy Spirit, uh, which comes to us from verse four mm-hmm. in the text. Yep. It says, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And I think this was the biggest thing that, that kind of stood out for me in in the passage and in the sermon as a whole, is that actually the things that the Holy Spirit has given to us as spiritual giftings, uh, whether that's... Uh, you know, we don't necessarily going to go into what all spiritual gifts are, should mm. be, or could be. Sure. Um, but I like the way you brought this out is that ultimately our gifts that are intended to be used to serve one another in the church are a confirmation of who Jesus is yeah, that's to wild. one another. That that was a big thing for me, a big, a big aha moment Yeah. when studying this passage, um, having read this passage many, many times, uh, but not seeing it that clearly. Yeah. Um, your service becoming the Holy Spirit's testimony that Jesus is the Christ is big. Yeah, the fact yeah. that that my my purpose within the church and my service within the church uh, are tied together. The purpose being glorifying Jesus, testi- testifying to the truthfulness of the gospel, mm-hmm. and then my willingness to serve or ability to serve. All of that's work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It, and so the Holy Spirit gives you gifts, you serve someone else with them, and other people's uh, faith is strengthened and the soul anchor that that provides uh, is established as they see you serve. It reminds them, it, it affirms the truthfulness of the gospel. Yeah. That is a, I don't think we, ser- I think we serve thinking, how can I serve someone? Yeah. But I'm not sure we serve thinking, how can I strengthen someone's faith? Yeah. Yeah. By just doing it, that others would see that and go, God's at work. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's at work. And that's, that's the big thing in the passage. It's, it's a way that God bears witness. It's not just we have to be good enough or serve enough right. to bear witness. That's right. It's God bearing witness by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will to his people. Yeah. If um, if you withhold your service then, the implication being, if you withhold your service, yeah. you withhold your testimony. Yeah. That you have actually a testimony that when you serve, 
the Holy Spirit testifies through that act of service and through that gift being activated yeah. Yeah. that Jesus is alive, that yeah. Jesus came and died and was resurrected and ascended yeah. and, and is ruling and reigning now. Yeah. All of that is being preached by the Holy Spirit through your act of service using yeah. your gifts. Yeah. Boom. Boom. That, <laughs> I mean, that drop. That, that's so yeah. – What a, and what a brilliant – I mean, again, though, like this – um, I think uh, I think I mentioned this in the first week, and maybe this past week too. I can't remember, but uh, this entire book is more than likely a written sermon. Yeah, from this pastor to this church. So we have a written sermon, and it's obviously brilliant. But what a brilliant pastoral move in connecting who yeah. Jesus is, listening to him, Holy Spirit testifying through your act of service. Um, that's just really, right. really, really cool. God's given you a spiritual gift to use. He's He's given you uh, a testimony through the Holy Spirit. So, so, so serve. So, right. utilize that gift. Yeah. And uh, and when you do, you're going to build other people's faith, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that what a great reminder. Then this also is of remembering God is still speaking in these ways. He's still pointing back to himself through calling people into service through uh, the, what we'll talk about in just a second, just the message of Jesus that calls us to salvation. But it, but that's not where it ends. Like it, the God's purpose in speaking to his people didn't just end 2000 years ago. Like he's still revealing himself today in the church by the preached word, by people being affected by the preached word and being called into service That's it. of it, yep. which the the second soul anchor was the message of Jesus. Uh, we kind of backed up to verse three, where he says, "Of course, how shall we escape from? Or if we neglect such a great salvation, it was declared by or at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard." So there's this this uh, momentum that the gospel has. It's it's go. It has gone forth. It was presented to us by Jesus. Jesus spoke in a, in a new way in that he was not just the messenger, but he is the message. Um, why is that a significant soul anchor? It's not just get in there and serve and, and be a good example of who, uh, who Jesus is. It's not just be Jesus to people. Like, Why do we still need to lean on the message of Jesus? Yeah, I just think that there's a, there, it's really easy for us to lose track of of the teachings of Jesus and what he did, what he said, yeah, um, and uh, and and his gospel, and yeah, I encouraged people. Uh, obviously, that's what that that verse is talking about. In verse three: How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It, the great salvation, yeah. the gospel, the message was declared at first by the Lord and attested to us um, by those who heard. So, uh, obviously, that's that's referring to to Jesus, his teachings, his gospel. Uh, and and I think that it's 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 actually easy to um, be reading a bunch of theological stuff, uh, maybe even be in a Bible study, and kind of get disconnected from the gospel. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In in doing so, and so uh, I encourage people, and I encourage people in the sermon. Uh, if you're struggling spiritually right now, obviously the entire Bible is inspired in error, word of God. I I, I totally affirm that. Uh, but. Also, uh, it may be helpful to you if you're struggling spiritually or maybe feeling some drift uh, to just pick up a gospel, pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, yeah, and read it, yeah, and 
and hear the words of Jesus, refresh yourself on the teachings of Jesus, see what he said, uh, did, where he went, how he talked to people. I mean, uh, I, I was I was talking to my wife about a particular passage uh, in the book of Mark recently and how Jesus how Jesus handled uh, a particular question that he had. And, and, and I told her, I, said, I just, man, I just, I love this guy. Yeah. I love the way yeah. he handles things. I love the way, you, you know, you think he's going to uh, come down as light as a feather. He brings a hammer. You think he's going to come down, um, you know, with the hammer, he brings the feather. Like yeah. he's just unpredictable. There's no one like him uh, in world history. Uh, there's no one who thinks like him. There's no one who um, is, is so surprising uh, and, and enlightening and there's, there's just so much there. And so yeah. when you really get into, and when you find yourself reading, uh, the gospels, hopefully you find yourself just being reminded of why you wanted to follow Jesus in the first place, yeah. why he's, yeah. why he's worth it, why he's different, why ultimately this is who you want to be. Yeah. Uh, like and uh, and so I, I just think it's a great way to just stay close to him, stay anchored in the gospels, read the gospels regularly. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great word. I mean, that's the the ultimate goal is to be reminded of who Jesus is, and we do that by reading the word and then letting uh, God do His work through the word, which is going to shape us and mold us and create us into Christ's image, so that we can bear that image to the world which is our original intention anyway, to bear God's image in God's world. Um, so what a what an incredible series this has been. We're excited about all the ways that we're going to keep digging into the book of Hebrews. Uh, Pastor Chad, thank you for sitting down and yeah, it was a lot uh, of fun, digging man. a little Looking deeper. Forward to this again. Yeah, this is going to be a new rhythm for us on here on the Highview Podcast, doing these uh, digging deeper segments. So please uh, so, so, uh, subscribe. Uh, so you can get these updates. That's easy for you to say. Subscribe. Yeah. (laughs) Go and follow us and make sure you're getting these in your podcast, uh, your favorite podcast catcher. Um, We're pretty much everywhere. So find it. Let us know that you found us by following our church on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, letting us know that you're enjoying this content. And um, go back and listen to the sermons. If you're you're just finding out about Highview Church, we'd love for you to – to find us, to come visit us, to be with us on a Sunday morning. And uh, again, we're going to be having these digging deeper segments where we can talk a little more about our sermons. Thanks again, Pastor Chad. Yeah. Enjoy it, man. We'll see you guys in the next one.